All right, everybody, I hope everybody's doing well today. And diving into the topic at hand, we are going to be discussing Mexico's political abolitionist efforts to help enslaved Africans escape U.S. bondage. And for the first part of this topic, we're going to be discussing Mexico's military and government efforts. And it's really a mixture of de jure policies, which are things that are written in the law, and de facto policies, things that are not necessarily written in law, but it's commonly practiced. So this is all going to be dealing with the government and military efforts. And to give a little context about Mexico during this time, it was relatively a pretty new country. Mexico had just gained its independence in 1821, and it was new. There was a lot of other European forces around them, so Mexico had to establish itself based on its mission of independence. And the first Mexican constitution wasn't necessarily that great, and the first president, Guadalupe Victoria, and the Mexican Congress didn't necessarily abolish slavery but what they did end up doing was passing a lot of laws that did put a lot of restraint on the slave trade and slavery itself. So in 1822, Mexico stated that neither the sale nor purchase of slaves who were brought to the empire, their children born in the empire shall be free at the age of 14. That is basically saying, if there is an enslaved person who has a child on Mexican soil, that child at the age of 14 will be free. And it's important to know that during this time, Mexico was allowing for Anglo settlers to settle in Texas. And it's not because they necessarily wanted them to. It's that Mexico is a relatively new country and it's trying to really rebuild itself up after independence. And one way they were doing that was allowing Anglo settlers to come, which can help, you know, build the economy up. But that would cause a lot of issues because a lot of Anglo settlers were bringing enslaved Africans with them. And Mexico was going to have an issue with that. And in October 14th of 1823, Article 21 stated, Foreigners who bring slaves with them shall obey the laws established upon the manner or which shall be hereafter be established. Which is basically saying if you're settling in the region, you're going to have to follow laws that are already established. And you're going to have to abide by the laws that are going to be established in the future. And you better believe Anglo settlers are going to have an issue with that because their whole idea of manifest destiny, you know, God's given will to expand West was also to expand slavery. And they were going to have a really big issue with that. And in July 13th of 1824, Mexico passed a degree that stated commerce and traffic in slaves proceeding from whatever power and under whatever flag is forever prohibited within the territories of the United Mexican States, which is saying it doesn't matter which country you are. It doesn't matter if you're the American colonies, if you're Canada, it doesn't matter who you are. Under the Mexican flag, slavery is prohibited, no exceptions. And it's important to notice that Mexico was passing a lot of anti-slavery legislation. And the reason why that was happening is because a lot of Anglo settlers weren't following the law. They kept on having to put out laws basically reinforcing their position on slavery because a lot of Anglo settlers were not obeying the law and they kept on bringing in enslaved Africans with them. And in March 11th of 1827, the areas of Cholula and Texas were a joint state in Mexico. So their government was one government. They were, you know, combined and it stated in its constitution during that time was, 
In this state, no person shall be born a slave after this condition is published in the capital of each district. And you know Anglo settlers were going to have an issue with that for obvious reasons. So what they ended up doing was going to the Cholula and Texas government and persuaded Mexico to change the wording of the law. And it basically allowed for slavery to still continue to exist. So like an example of that, like the law is going to say enslaved Africans might have kids and their kids could be free, but their parents are not going to be free. And they ended up changing the wording of it, which changed the complete outcome of what the law was supposed to do. But nonetheless, the laws that were intact in Mexico did put a lot of restrictions on the slave trade and slavery itself. However, a lot of Anglo settlers were actually able to counter those laws by forcing enslaved Africans to sign indentured contracts. Mexico had a lot of legislation that was very much anti-slavery, but they did not put anything about indentured servitude. So a lot of Anglos took that to, you know, their advantage, unfortunately. And Stephen F. Austin, who was a quote-unquote founder of Texas, wrote in a letter to somebody named Mrs. Mary Austin Hawley on July 19th of 1821. And he stated, and I quote, Negroes can be brought here under indentures as servants, but not as slaves. And a lot of those contracts had a life sentence of servitude, 99 years of service. You were not free until you completed 99 years of service. That is still pretty much clearly slavery. It's the same thing, just in a different order. The Mexican government was pretty slow to pick up on that, and it was something that was overlooked, but eventually they, you know, caught up on it. And in 1828, there was a Mexican general named Jose Manuel Rafael who made notes that enslaved Africans actually had an idea of Mexico being a symbol of freedom, and they were able to build that connection between freedom and Mexico. And his notes, he stated, the slaves are begging to learn the favorable intent of Mexican law towards their unfortunate conditions and are becoming restless under their yoke. Jose Manuel Rafael, the Mexican general, is implying that enslaved Africans are wanting to know Mexico's laws that are going to impact their lives. They're becoming restless under the conditions of slavery and the fact that Mexico is so close, they want to know more. And the very next year in 1829, Mexico elected its first black Afro-Indigenous president who passed the Guerrero Decree, which outlawed slavery, and it obviously causes a panic for a lot of these white settlers out here. And the Guerrero Decree has three articles, and the first one states, slavery is abolished in the republic. Number two, Consequently, those who had been until now considered slaves are free. And number three states, when the circumstances of the treasury permits, the owners of the slaves will be identified in the mode that the law may provide. And in order that every part of this decree may fully be complied with, let it be printed and published and circulated. And think about it. That is a hella sharp contrast between the United States and Mexico Mexico abolished slavery in 1829. The United States didn't abolish slavery until the mid-1860s. Allegedly, if you read it, they didn't really do anything. But nonetheless, that is a very, very sharp contrast between the United States and Mexico when it came to the issue of slavery. Also important to note, Mexico had its first Obama in 1829. 
The United States didn't even get its first black president until 2008. Unfortunately, like a lot of great revolutionists, Vicente Guerrero was kidnapped and assassinated in 1831. And that is in part due to a lot of his liberal agendas and legislation, such as the abolitionist decree. And although it did lead to his death, it was a really impactful legacy he left behind for Mexico. During this time, a lot of Anglo settlers in Mexico, like I mentioned before, were not happy with this law. And it's not that they stopped obeying Mexico's law after this because they never really obeyed their laws. But they started to come in bigger numbers with more settlers and more enslaved Africans. And Mexico did not like this. And so what they ended up doing in April 6th of 1830 was they passed a decree which prohibited white Americans from migrating to Texas and to stop the importation of new slaves. Unfortunately, the Guerrero Decree, which abolished slavery and the laws that prohibited white Americans from migrating to Texas, Mexico, did not work well in Texas because there was too many Anglo settlers there. So they were actually able to overpower the Mexican government there. And eventually Anglo settlers declared Texas as an independent country. And despite Anglo settlers declaring Texas as an independent and them stealing Texas away from Mexico, the Mexican government and its military officials still stayed in the territory and enforced the law. And a clear sign to show that would continue even after independence was in 1834, the Mexican Secretary of State sent instructions to the Mexican ambassador in the U.S. advising him that the president at the time, Valentin Gomez, wanted to get enslaved Africans and promise them equal rights, protection, and land in Texas for their loyalty and to join the army to fight against the United States. And the very next year, in July 5th of 1831, Mexico's general, Martin Perfecto, was actually sending out letters and warnings to Anglo settlers saying, if you do not get rid of slavery you're going to suffer the consequences of war. And two months later, September 22nd of 1835, Anglos in a county in Texas actually established slave patrol because they were noticing a lot of enslaved Africans were starting to go to Mexico and start revolting and start escaping. So they ended up intacting a slave patrol watch to counter that. And two months later, in October of 1835, the rebellion occurred. And what ended up happening in this rebellion were enslaved Africans rose up against their enslavers and killed some of them. And they actually even made some of them serve them. So the roles were reversed. And although this rebellion did not succeed, it was a clear sign that Mexico did have some type of influence on this rebellion. And the last straw to show that Mexico is still going to have an influence on abolitionist efforts in the Texas region occurred with General Jose de Urrera on April 3rd of 1836, the year, you know, Texas declared its independence. He actually went to some Anglo settlements and freed enslaved African families and actually in some instances granted them land and resources to help them thrive. And his forces also in some instances loaded wagons full of enslaved Africans and granted them freedom. So it's a clear symbol that even though the political landscape and who's going to control Texas is going to change, the abolitionist efforts and the Underground Railroad in the Texas-Mexico region is still going to pretty much be active. 
and a little complexity that's actually going to follow the Mexican government and military is its constitution allows for people to come to Mexico and stay there, but they need a visa. And the requirements for the visa, one of them simply was you need permission from the country which you're coming from. And in cases with enslaved Africans, they were not going to get permission from the United States to stay in Mexico. So that would become an issue for Mexico. Although Mexico never extradited any enslaved Africans, there was a way local Mexicans were able to counter that, which I'll get to in a later episode. But that did complicate the abolitionist efforts for Mexico. But in 1857, the Mexican Constitution declared that every enslaved person who steps foot on Mexican soil is free. And Benito Juarez who came into power in that year, actually got rid of the visa requirement, which actually helped that situation. But it was an issue that occurred for more than a few decades. 1857 was actually also the year that the Dred Scott case happened in the United States. And if anyone's not familiar with Dred Scott, Dred Scott was a black person in America who was suing for his freedom in a free state. And that was a year that the United States decided in the Supreme Court case that he cannot get freedom. So considering Mexico in 1857 also enacted their constitution that said any person, any enslaved person who steps foot on Mexican soil is free, is a very sharp contrast between the United States and Mexico. And that is actually going to conclude our first segment of this conversation, Mexico's military and government efforts to help enslaved Africans escape U.S. bondage. And it was really a mixture of a lot of efforts the Mexican government did. It had de jure policies, things that were written in law, such as the decrees, but it also engaged in de facto efforts, such as the Mexican military and government granting enslaved Africans land and resources to help them thrive. It wasn't written anywhere in the law, but they still did it to enforce it. In our next segment, we're going to be discussing efforts by local everyday Mexican citizens and the journey enslaved Africans and Mexicans took to reach Mexican territory. So I hope everybody enjoyed this segment. I hope everybody has a really dope day and I'll see y'all next time.